not that it's that easy either. But so, adventures. Uh, should we get going? Yeah, might as well. <laughs> All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a shot about one thing: watching curb your enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy, and I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about the season four premiere, episode one, Mel's Offer. But before that, what is the deal with stuff from our last episode, the grand opening? We only really had, well, we had like one, we had like two little bits of homework. One was, what's the deal with the Taco Bell across from Rainbow Acres at 13223 West Washington Boulevard in Los Angeles? I could not find anything about Uh. what made that Taco Bell so special to retain the Southwestern style Mexican villa facade and the stacked sombrero sign in 2002. Uh, with all of, the, I mean, there are a lot of the first Taco Bell that did this. Was it this address? The the headquarters is here. I was like, maybe it's around the corner from the headquarters or something. But no, I couldn't find anything special about this Taco Bell at this location, and except the fact that it is gone now. I I usually it, it wasn't the focal point. It wasn't the actual uh, location where they were shooting. So I didn't look up what it is now. But now it is Ekamai Thai Restaurant in Los Angeles. It's one of those where you can kind of still tell it's a Taco Bell. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but they've done a good job. They, they, like, sort of extended... You know how it's sort of like a two-tiered roof? There's, like, the top one that goes up, and then there's a little drop down, and then the bottom one goes down on those Taco Bells. So they've sort of extended... Yeah. They extended the roof so it doesn't look as Taco Bellish as it as it could and added, like, a little <laughs> patio out there. But I, I could not find anything interesting. If you are If you're in the greater Los Angeles area and you know anything about that taco bell why it looked like that in 2002 i'd love to know because normally there's like there's a lot of i I usually find something in like the la times it's like la's beloved original taco bell is closing down next month i find (laughs) a lot of that but i couldn't even find that i couldn't even find that i mean you should have seen the write-up on glenrock car wash you know it was like oh the because that'd been around for like 60 years or something yeah they're like glenrock car wash closed unexpectedly and like here's a whole history of it <laughs> you know like wow journalism used to not be dead not too long ago <laughs> um well i guess that one was pretty recent that was like july of this year but so the la times i guess still has some people on staff that they can dig in you but, heard it from tim himself journalism was alive and well as of july of 2022 <laughs> of july of this year <laughs> yep at least in los mm-hmm. angeles <laughs> uh the other thing oh i forgot my i don't want to do a google search because the other thing we wanted to know was about the actor who plays the food critic. Because the actor's name is Paul Wilson. And the food critic's name was Andy Portico. Okay, so Andy Portico was played by Paul Wilson. And when I searched for Paul Wilson, he's not even the first actor that pops up. In the Google results, that's oh my Paul god, Wilson, which is surprising <laughs> because I thought with SAG rules you can't you can't have two people with the same name. But Paul Wilson um, is like some young actor, uh, and then there's a golfer named Paul Wilson. See, the Google search was so much better, but I didn't bring my well. This is, oh, this is a Bing search, damn it. Well, what I found when I googled Paul Wilson is there's like twelve Paul Wilsons, like a, a cricket player popped up before this Paul Wilson. In the Google search that I did initially. <laughs> Jeez, all right. Before I got to this Paul Wilson. Uh, but this Paul Wilson, who played Andy Portico, he's going to be 77 this Christmas. And I realized what I recognized him from. And it's kind of funny. 
he had he was on 55 episodes of Cheers. The Ted Danson show, of course. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. Okay. He played Paul on Cheers, sort of third banana to there was always like three guys drinking at the end of the bar, Norm, Cliff, and then Paul was often next to them for 55 episodes obviously and that's one place i recognize him from another place i recognize him from office space which i think you still have not seen yet is that right no i've seen office space. oh now you've seen what, office space. what okay. was he in office space he's one of the bobs that's not oh john c mcginley yeah. okay okay <laughs> yeah. so that's another place that i definitely recognized him from and i don't remember what he did in this but he's in problem child too <laughs> which, of course, of course yeah, which we did for patreon in case uh in case you are not a patron check it out we did both problem childs problem child one and two um back to back i think didn't we i think we did for some it was reason. it was real close to each other yeah <laughs> i don't remember why we decided to do two because it's not like one was that great but and and it's not like two had michael richards or anything in it like but i guess we just we just felt like being completist even though there's a there's a few more problem child outlets that we d- we're just not doing, but yeah, um, he's in that. And Cheers producer Ken Levine called Paul Wilson one of the greatest improv artists I have ever seen. So I guess that's why Larry David sought him out. And also, I think it's a funny meta dig at Ted Danson too, because they got somebody from Cheers, but not Ted yeah. Danson. <laughs> but I mean, this guy has just been on. He's Full House, Boston Public, Malcolm in the Middle. He was the neighbor on Malcolm in the Middle. That's another one he had a, a quite a, kind of a big role on. Uh, King of Queens, Big Bang Theory, Golden Girls, Coach, Step by Step. I mean, if there's a, a TV show that was on in the 90s to the 2000s, he, he was on it. X-Files. Oh, an episode of the Michael Richards show. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. I know. Out of, <laughs> I think six. I don't remember how many. <laughs> I don't remember what a run that got. Um, and he, as far as I could tell, not in a Disney Channel original movie, but he was Mr. Detweiler, TJ's father in Disney's Recess. Oh so my God. So I think he's on a okay. lot of episodes of that. He's in an episode of Jesse, <laughs> and, and that's where his Disney uh, credits end. But he's also, I found this, speaking of uh, credits, I found this interesting. He is the uncredited director of 1983's Boogeyman 2. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never heard of the movie, and I don't know what it takes to like get your name taken off a movie as a director, but I find that very interesting that he's the uncredited director of Boogeyman 2. Uh, maybe if we, maybe for spooky season, I don't know if anybody else from Seinfeld is in that, but, um, yeah. Well, I mean, but by the time, uh, anyone is listening to this episode and on uh, our free feed, uh, spooky season is over. It's, it's October over. 30th. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so that's all the homework that we had. Just some other, uh, trivia and tidbits. Larry drives over Cheryl's foot when, when he gets out of the car wash, or I guess when she gets out at the car wash. He drives over Cheryl's foot. I don't know. I didn't notice this. Uh, I didn't even notice that the car started moving again, but you did um, when, <laughs> when Cheryl leaves the car wash. Uh, I guess it's tough to make one of those stop without stopping every piece of machinery. You know, I don't know if you can stop the track on its own. I don't know. The restaurant critic who gives two thumbs up or down in his reviews. This is a an IMDb fan theory, probably based on Roger Ebert, who, as we mentioned, that's his shtick. Like we were talking about how Andy Portico just completely ripped off Roger yeah. Ebert, but this person presupposes that that Andy Portico is based on Roger Ebert. He does have an Ebert-like, you know, I'd say maybe not demeanor, but he he looks like Ebert. You know, he's a little heavier set and and older and glasses and stuff like that. 
And maybe it's because Ebert gave zero stars to sour grapes. Mmm. Okay. And someone asked Ebert, Roger Ebert, what he thought of this episode. And he said, Larry David may have been aiming at critics in general, not at me, since Sour Grapes scored a perfect zero among major critics on the tomato meter. (laughs) There is a reason for that. Sour Grapes was a terrible movie. (laughs) (laughs) Curb Your Enthusiasm, on the other hand, is a wonderful TV show, and I like it a lot. I did wince when the critics' thumbs got broken. (laughs) So, um, mission accomplished, if that's what Larry David was going for. That's all um, from homework. Let us consult the book about the grand opening. Oh, their uh, their pull quote in the little square on the book is, shit, shit, shit face, fuck shit, cocksucker. Uh, attributed, of course, <laughs> to the chef of Larry's restaurant on opening yeah. night. Um, in this episode, while they were filming the scene in which Larry and Cheryl get stuck in the car wash, David drove over Cheryl's foot. So there you go. Official confirmation that that, that did happen. Um, so is is she okay? Did her foot break? I know. It's like, did that... Did that... <laughs> I, I would like some follow-up with this. Yeah. Is that the take that they used? I would guess no. I would guess you would, you know, scream out in pain or something. But um, yeah, it's it's confusing what happened after that. <laughs> Because I, I would see maybe, you know, with surface area being where it, what it is and, and going very slowly, you might be able to have a car drive over your foot and be okay, right? Does mm, that sound right to you? Mm, no, no. no? You, you're you're going to – you know how many bones are in your it's feet? It's going to break? Yeah, they're very, yeah, small. You, very small. You know how many fragile bones are in your foot? You're going to yeah. break something. <laughs> but it's very soft. It's the tire, you know? And it's and the, the pressure's spread out. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't want to test it out. It, it, it's a tire, <laughs> not a pillow, Tim. Like it's yeah, it's still true. holding up something that weighs north of fifteen hundred pounds. I guess so. I I don't know. It's yeah. It, so even, it seems like even, even if by your math you divide fifteen hundred by four because it's only <laughs> a fourth of the car, right? Uh, then that's still what three hundred and seventy-five pounds. I, yeah. I wouldn't want to drop that on my foot. But it's not dropping it either. It's rolling. I feel like that has a little... You know, has, we're, we're going to have to test it out. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but we're going to test it out the real way with a husband driving over his wife's foot. That's the only way. You know, right. we're going to do this Mythbuster style. It's got to be exactly as right. the... <laughs> uh, I, I know we're not uh, recording video with this, but Tim, yeah. nose goes, and I already have my finger on my nose. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> well, I want, a, I want a large sample size. You know, so I think two. It, <laughs> we don't just do it once and call it a day. All right, we, we we take everyone from the Patreon, yeah, and and they're included in this as well. Everybody, in, everybody married your from the parents. Patreon. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, according to Curb producer Tim Gibbons, David gives preference to the bald when hiring in real life as well. When I was interviewing for this job, he says I went to meet Larry, and he was looking over my resume and says, "So the guys at HBO like you." And I was like, yeah, I've done a few things with them. And he says, you know, you kind of got a leg up on the other guy. And I'm thinking this is because the guys at HBO like me. And then he points to his head and starts tapping it. And I realized he meant because I was bald. <laughs> That's got to be against some sort of labor law. I don't know what. But it reminds me of George only wanted to hire unattractive women. Yeah. Shelly Berman, who plays Larry's father, Nat David, was part of the original Compass Players with Elaine May and Mike Nichols, which later became Second City. Paul Sand and Mina Kolb were both also early members of Second City. Mina Kolb 
plays Jeff's mom, and I guess she was seated at the restaurant. And Paul Sand played oh got uh, Guy Bernier. So that's the, oh, the, okay. so the chef and Jeff's mom were both Second City players. I'm glad that they have the cast list right next to that paragraph because otherwise I'd go, why do I care that Paul Sand and Mina Kolb were second, also second members of Second City? Um, it's because they were in this episode. What were they thinking from the what they were thinking section? Michael York, the uh, British guy, Basil Exposition, who is also an investor, says, right from the start, I found myself being rather aggressive and cutting and rude to Larry. I was astonished. It was this sort of free-for-all. I love improvisation. You'll be playing a character, and then suddenly the character's playing you. I don't think you're yourself at all. You've got to be energetic, bigger. I sensed this with Larry. I loved it when his scabrous personality emerged from the pussycat. I've always had these encounters with these this very sweet, soft man who leaps into action with this mask. What I love about him is he can say all those things that we can't say and observe things that we've noticed all our lives, but we're too polite or well-behaved or apathetic to do anything about. It's fantastic. Very uh, eloquently put about Larry <laughs> David. Richard Lewis says, One great moment was after we were at this restaurant shooting for 18 hours. I went over to Larry and said, Can you believe that we're still doing a scene with Shelley Berman? And he looked at me. And all of the show business shit was stripped away, and we were just two teenagers going, are we lucky or what? Which is pretty <laughs> awesome, working with your uh, idols. Speaking of Shelley Berman, he said, Larry is the hope for new comedy. Uh, how old was Larry when this was filmed? Oh, my God. <laughs> Larry Jesus is the Christ. hope for new comedy. I guess when you're 90, Ugh. I mean, a 60-year-old is... <laughs> yeah, Larry... whenever, whenever you're ancient and should have already retired, <laughs> calling anyone younger than you kid is acceptable. Yeah. I, oh my god, that gave me flashbacks to uh the last job that we shared. <laughs> Larry these well, I'm I've now reached the age where I appreciate that. You were still young enough to go, hey, you're disrespecting me by, you know, <laughs> by you so, know, dis yeah, yeah. going to a different market and meeting someone who's thirty years older than me and saying, Yeah, he's a good kid. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, what? Okay. <laughs> Uh, let me see. Oh, Larry is the hope for new comedy by going back to basics of what comedy is. Instead of finding humor in our toilets and in our sex, what, what Larry does both. <laughs> <laughs> in this show, uh, instead yeah. of violating all the sensitivities in the world in order to get one stinking laugh, he's able to confess every damn flaw <laughs> that he has. If, if there's one thing Larry is too highbrow for, it's making any sort of sex or poop joke <laughs> please yeah it, not larry david this episode uh, the the grand opening had <laughs> maybe both i mean they certainly had a poop I think joke so, yeah. i don't know the sex i mean besides all the cursing about like kind of lingus and stuff like that you could maybe categorize that as sex jokes but um but yeah he, the, two episodes prior he had a pubic hair stuck in his throat and that was a running gag was through, a like, running gag nearly every scene yeah <laughs> Uh, so that's Shelly maybe doesn't watch the show. I don't know. But he says we look at this guy and we say, aha, that's me. Curb is not formula funny. It's original and funny. And the reason it's original incredibly is because it's retro. Larry's the everyman comedian because he's the everyman jackass. He's the everyman mistaker, the everyman loser, the schmuck in all of us. We all recognize <laughs> our own cheating, cheapness, lies and cowardice. The marvelous thing about us is that we're a hell of a lot funnier than motherfucker. Which oh was a God. word used in this episode. Um, so yeah, not not the best quote to put with 
this episode or season even, but, um, you know, I guess I had to fill the page or something. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that is all from what they were thinking. But I, I do I do agree with him to an extent. And Michael York, I think uh, those were both uh, apt descriptions of Larry David. And, and certainly I've enjoyed, as we watched Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm, going, I'm like George, I'm like Larry. Uh, and that's one thing that, that I like about it, realizing just how much you are like these people who society, we live in a society, society sees as losers or idiots <laughs> or jackasses or, or whatever. Um, yeah. So, all right. That's it. All right. Uh, do we got any new? Blah, 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 blah. All right. Well, do we got any news or anything? I don't think so. All right. Well, uh, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research heavy show, despite the last, oh, fuck, 40 minutes <laughs> being a pre-edit, 40 minutes pre-edit, I, I need to say. Yeah. Uh, being almost exclusively bullshit and a little little bit of research. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I have never seen these episodes before. Tim hasn't seen these episodes before in the last 20 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging uh, on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both those links are down in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts and a five-star rating on Spotify. It really does help the show, really helps us find additional people that would really fit in, in our our community, you know, would really enjoy the show because we, we want everyone to enjoy this, you know? Yeah, and, and tell a friend, too. I was thinking about that this week. Like, reviews do great for helping people you don't know, but... If Seinfeld comes up in your everyday life, just drop in that you're enjoying this podcast. Yeah, that, for that sure. Seinfeld, Seinfeld yeah. Curb, it, anything. Because, I mean, we, we do so many Seinfeld refs, too. And that we still have the entire back catalog of episodes available of still Seinfeld. Still good. Still yeah. hosted. Yeah if, you, yeah, if you're on, like, Seinfeld message boards or Twitter or the, the subreddit or whatever, drop in that you like us. And, yeah, uh, we're still and, alive, and more baby. Coming from, yeah, it means more. Or the Curb subreddit or or Twitter or the Facebook page or whatever. It means more coming from you than, as we discussed us, on the show. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> People will downvote the creator of a great thing, but if, if you just tell them about it, you might get some upvotes. So, bonus <laughs> for you. The, these sad guys I know have this curb <laughs> podcast that nobody listens to. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> can we show them some love, Internet? <laughs> but now, uh, pl- please. I mean, um, yes. Uh, share, share, share us with anybody that you know that might like us. If it's if it's going to a, a curb themed trivia night, or maybe you've yeah. got a a Seinfeld. Uh, what party coming up? I don't know. Festivus. Sign- Festivus is on the way. Fe- Festivus is on the way. Is there anything for Halloween? I'm trying to think. Probably not. Nah. I don't know. If, if you're going as somebody from Seinfeld for Halloween, to drop mm-hmm. it, drop it at the party. You know, let yeah. us know. We'll send you a couple of stickers to to just stick in their bathroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I mean, if you uh, if you like us a little bit more, uh, moving on from ratings and reviews, you can join our join us over on Patreon. It's Patreon.com/slash/NoHugging, where for five bucks a month, you'll get early access to every single episode. You will get. Uh, clipped content from just about every episode, ranging from, you know, a couple of minutes to this episode is probably going to be uh, north of 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely 20 minutes when we 
when we said our, we should get started. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so it's it's gonna be gonna be a good amount for this one, and also uh, Patreon exclusive movie reviews from the Seinfeld Cinematic Universe. What is the Seinfeld Cinematic Universe? Well, it's literally anybody that has been in an episode of Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm. Anything from their catalog, fair game for us. Uh, we got a bunch of movies over there. Uh, most recently, we dropped Hocus Pocus 2 as of this record. Probably going to be something else up uh, by the time you are listening to this. So, again, patreon.com slash nohugging. Join us over there. want to give a shout-out to the people who are already signed up and pledged their undying loyalty to us. Uh, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over the Idiotville podcast, John and Kathleen Murphy, Tim's mom and dad, Will Hall, Danica Ligorio, Nick Kudla, Don Queso, Nate Collins, and Megan Stolarski. Yes. Let me throw... Uh, well, maybe we shouldn't because maybe we should make him get his own. I was going to say John Connolly. That's Danica's husband, who probably is the <laughs> one that listens to us. So yeah, <laughs> the fact yeah. that we thank his wife every uh, week. Honest, honestly, I think it's funny that we thank his wife every week. <laughs> you're we, right, we, you're right. we, 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 we thank his wife for having the Patreon account of, <laughs> yeah. the, of the family. I think that's how he explained it to us originally. Is yeah, uh, that, yeah. I mean, she already had a Patreon, so we just put it on hers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> No, no, we'll leave it in. Not it's really. okay. Yeah, not really. <laughs> I was going to leave in me saying I was going to edit it out as, as a joke. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, th- this is all I'll, staying in now. I'll edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All that being said, season four, episode one, Mel's Offer. Original air date, January 4th, 2004. Whoa. Skipping to the, uh, yeah, skipping to the second half of the traditional TV season here. And also, we skipped an entire year. Yeah, yeah, about uh, 11, about 13 months, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, January 4th, 2004. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see, in the season four premiere, Larry reminds Cheryl of a 10th anniversary present she promised him when they got engaged. It's not bad. I don't hate it right off the bat. Uh, we'll see if we can make it better at the end. But I do want to add that these breaks in between seasons are going to get, you know, even more astonishingly longer. And it's nice <laughs> to wait a week to watch the season four premiere as opposed to 13 months. I can say that. It felt really yeah. good to go, oh, let me watch this next season right now instead of, is Larry going to do another one? <laughs> oh, he is. Okay, get, then we got to wait six get, months to that, get, for that to film. Yeah, I guess we'll figure out at some point, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like he waits six months to decide he's going to do it again. Well, at the end of the season, he says he's never going to do another season. Then he waits six months and says, I am going to do another season. And then they film it over the next six months, and then we get to see it. Um, and that's that's truncated. Like, there's probably going to be much longer breaks in, in between. But we open at a, an Italian restaurant with apparently no menu. I would never go to this restaurant. <laughs> at, at first, I thought they were in Italy. And then when it's revealed they're still in L.A., I'm like... This place should be out of business because there's no menu. The waiter is screaming Italian at you as a native speaker, like not doing it very slowly like you might be if if you knew some Italian, but you were American, like you learned Italian on Duolingo or something. No, yeah. this guy is speaking as, as someone who's, who's spoken it from birth at their faces and they have no idea what to order, so they just order the first thing and the second thing he yeah, said. Yeah, and, and clearly this is a place that Larry and Cheryl have been to before, that they've gone there <laughs> Uh, often it, it means they, a lot to them why do they keep going back yeah I, I i feel like they would know what is on the menu if they've 
been there multiple times, right? I I guess maybe they've never had a menu. <laughs> but like <what? laughs> maybe maybe the food is that good. <laughs> maybe it's one of those places where you can just go whatever they bring it's going to be delicious. We've never had a bad meal here and, <laughs> and I always get the first thing and you always get the second thing, but like I I don't understand how a restaurant like this can can exist with foreign waiters yelling a menu at you. I'm like, is this what rich people like? <laughs> um, but uh, Cheryl reminds Larry that their 10-year anniversary is approaching. And what Cheryl wants is, and she, this this got the first slap of the episode to me. She goes, keep an open mind. And Larry goes, he like points at himself. He's like, what? Is it ever closed? Come on. Has it oh ever been closed? <laughs> yeah. Has, has it ever been closed for anything? No, no. It, I, I can genuinely say that it hasn't, Larry. No. Her response, like, okay like that was so funny <laughs> to me like how you could tell cheryl the wife wanted to like launch into she's like nope i'm just gonna move on to what i was gonna say <laughs> it was so hilarious but what it is is she wants to renew her vows she wants to renew their vows in a little ceremony yeah, yeah a little wedding ceremony and and larry is totally down and cheryl had built it up like wow he's gonna you know i gotta talk him into this but larry's down immediately like just keep it small friends and family and cheryl's like yes that's fine like, and, and she's a little bit relieved that it didn't take much discussion or argument at all. And maybe it's because then Larry brings up his gift, which has already been decided. <laughs> which he, which Cheryl didn't necessarily remember. Yeah. And he was like, oh, we were in this same restaurant in the same seats. I loved. I loved that <laughs> in a meta way because... It meant they didn't have to go to a new location. They could film it on the same day. Yeah. Just put some younger <laughs> makeup. I thought that was yeah. C- so color, funny. Color Larry's hair a little more, <laughs> a little more darker gray instead of white. Uh, just curl and crimp Cheryl's hair. Yeah, give because, Cheryl because like a ninety. Because it's ni- yeah ninety four instead of 04. Yeah, this was yeah. really good. I thought that was we were in the same restaurant in the same seats. I was like, that was a production budget move. Like, no, we're gonna <laughs> film it on the same. We need a restaurant. We're gonna do it in the same restaurant. That, I, <laughs> it, it's just funny that they're like making all of these like budget moves. Yeah. On episode one of the season, <laughs> it's it's not coming like episode nine. Like, oh man, we really blew our our budget with yeah. effects on episode six. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Why did we get that second restaurant? It may not even be a budget thing. It might be just a time thing, too, a time <laughs> restraint thing. It's like, you know what it'll cost to do another day? Not cost, but like time-wise, like to do another day of shooting. We'll have to move and yeah, put do, the trailers up. and Yeah, yeah do, to do a second location, like we got to yeah. tear down. We got to set up. That's at least <laughs> four hours right there. But I love that Like if they hadn't said the same restaurant in the same seats, I might not have noticed. You know, that's the other thing that makes it kind of meta funny is that they felt they felt like they needed to point it out. Like people are going to know that they're in the same seats at the same restaurant. Like, I don't know, because their appearances are so jarring that I think that's what I was focused on. But I I just like that little that little bit there. Um, And we get a we do get so in the flashback to the same restaurant, the same seats 10 years earlier. Cheryl is trying to talk Larry into getting married. And her final bargaining chip is you're worried you can't sleep with anyone else ever again. I'll tell you what. For our 10-year anniversary, you can sleep with someone else. No strings attached. I won't get upset. Um, <laughs> and you can have sex with somebody else. And flash forward, Cheryl is cool with Larry making good on that bargain, even though Larry's like, no, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I know you don't want to do it. But Cheryl goads him on because mostly we realize she considers it a laughable prospect that anyone <laughs> else would have sex with Larry. <laughs> oh, fuck. 
And that encourages Larry even more to now to now go through with it. And the time limit is until our anniversary, which I think is unfair because it's a 10th anniversary present. So he should have gotten year 10 to 11. He should have gotten that entire year. Mm, but maybe I, that's I yeah, I, maybe I, that I lowers the stakes. Yeah, I, I think it lowers the stakes, and I think it's uh, if Larry would have brought it up earlier, he would have had more time. But I, yes. I think it's fair for Cheryl to say, "Look, it ends on the anniversary. That that's your that's your time." But Larry screwed himself. Uh, there, there's a joke in there somewhere <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, with what we're talking about by not bringing it up until like three months until their anniversary. I guess. I mean, I'm surprised they got it in this early. Like Sarah and I don't start talking about anniversary until. <laughs> Maybe like the week before. Like, what are we doing? I don't know. Uh, we've been married more than ten years at this point now, but um, it's interesting that it. I, I guess, yeah. Like, it's just a weird. Well, maybe not because ten is a big one. So for her to go, wow, our ten year anniversary is coming up. How about that? Um, so it's not so weird to bring up three months before, but it would be weird for Larry to, especially for him, the re- for this reason to go. You know, like ha- like six months earlier, five months earlier to go. Hey, can I still sleep with somebody for our ten year anniversary? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Cheryl uh, thinks it's hilarious that Larry is going to try this out, and they have to go to a karaoke party uh, after dinner. And Cheryl wants to go home, and she says she'll make it worth Larry's while to skip the party. But Larry essentially picks karaoke over sex, <laughs> <laughs> which. I can't say I wouldn't do. <laughs> I love oh karaoke. I love karaoke that much, but in the same situation, I would need to see the terms laid out. Like you can't be vague and say I'll make it worth your while. I need to know exactly what what wait, that. Means. Wait, I, I I need to know exactly like when it's happening, where it's going, and yeah. and how long it needs to happen for. Yeah, and and what exactly? What's it going to you know? Give me a rundown. <laughs> give me the set list. <laughs> Give, give, give me just just lay out your expectations for me yeah what are the like what, your expectations for me my expectations for you know lay out <laughs> lay out your plan for what that means because like you know it's, it's it's always worth my while but to skip karaoke like i get to do that once a year and it's one of my most favorite things on the planet i'm happy to say <laughs> that we do it more than once a year even having been married uh 14 years at this point so um, all right good yeah. good for you good for yeah. you i'm I'm happy that uh your parents are probably <laughs> listening to this i doubt it i doubt it that does yeah, cross yeah. my mind that does cross my mind when it comes up especially with all of the uh oral sex talk that has been in the, in the pod <laughs> over the past uh couple episodes but yeah larry picks karaoke over sex he's like kind of want to go to karaoke i love the way he said that like sheepishly <laughs> like um because he knew that it it was uncool you know, cheryl wasn't gonna go wow I just got uh, karaoke just got picked over my lovemaking. So over at Karaoke Blue, which is still at 2064 Sawtell Boulevard in a neighborhood in L.A. that cannot decide what it wants to be named. It's either (laughs) it's either West L.A., Sawtell, Japantown or Little Osaka. Depending oh on who God. you are talking to, yes, I believe the most recent designa- designation by the city of LA is is Japantown, but all of those names are, uh, you know, if you're trying to tell someone how to get to Karaoke Blue, you can 
uh, mentioned <laughs> that it's in one of those neighborhoods. On the sign, you saw that it was open seven days a week and there was no cover from eight to two. Yeah. Now they're still open seven days a week, seven to one thirty. They want to close uh, a little bit earlier, but they're open. You get an hour, you get an extra hour uh, earlier in on the karaoke. Karaoke is still free with a minimum drink uh, requirement, and there's no cover. And this seems like, uh, again, uh, if I was in LA, I would I would patronize this place. Uh, <laughs> it seems pretty awesome. Especially wish... if you can go and just like see Mel Brooks doing karaoke. Oh, like, well, yeah, that would be amazing. I wonder if stars actually do because it seems like this was a setup, maybe even a private party. Because you can still, I saw on their website, you can rent the entire place mm. out if you want to. So maybe, okay. you know, someone with like Mel Brooks money wanted to do that. We don't know why the karaoke party is happening. We just know it is, um, and it's been there for twenty years. It's been in this same location for twenty years. So I guess maybe it had like just opened. Like two years ago, by the time this episode. Oh yeah, came on. I guess it's still like a, a newer place. Yeah, yeah, pretty new. Um, and they haven't changed the sign the last time Google car Google Maps drove by. Um, but yeah, a, a staple. And I just I love cities that are big enough to have a place that does nothing but karaoke. Like to have a karaoke yeah. bar. You know, like New Orleans is like that. Um, I don't I don't think Pittsburgh is like that. I don't know a place that does karaoke every night. But I'm I'm out of the game. You know. Uh, and by the way, Karaoke Blue, the last time Google Maps drove by, this place is was maybe still there. Um, it's across from Sushi Stop, a sushi restaurant that has co-opted the GameStop logo. <laughs> oh, my God. No yeah. way. I got to look this up. Same Sushi All right. Stop? Yeah, 2064 Sawtell Boulevard. The su- sushi is written in white. Stop is written in red. It's the same font. It's pushed together. I'm like, that's like something you'd see in a foreign country, like that co-ops famous American logos for stuff. But sushi stop. Oh my god, across. that's incredible! Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love it. I was like, sushi stop. I, I mean, I to it. be fair, to be fair, the GameStop logo is not anything like wildly creative. That's true. I think that's what makes it a great logo. Is like it's it's and and yet we knew it, it's, that this it's, place is ripping it off. Yeah, it's easy, but it is uh, uh, very instantly recognizable. Yeah, could I could I throw another internet logo at you? That's the same Pornhub. Oh How many my, times yeah. have you seen a Pornhub parody Bl- sign over a business? Black background, orange rounded rectangle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You instantly know what that is. Yeah, and I've seen, like, Sandwich Hub in, in places and stuff, and it's the same logo. I'm like, that's great. Not yeah. even, not even like, uh, the same logo or anything, but I'll occasionally see a promoted financial news article from Wallet Hub, and I immediately, <laughs> immediately think of what it's playing off of, you know? Like, I, I don't never... even have to see the logo, just the word Hub. I never connected that on Wallet Hub because they certainly haven't co-opted the logo. But I wonder which one came first now, <laughs> Wallet Hub or Pornhub? Um, because there's also HubSpot, which I use a lot now uh, uh, as a marketer, as an official marketer. Um, mm, I mean, if it was Spot Hub, it'd be a Spot little different. Spot Hub, exactly. <laughs> Maybe I should start my own <laughs> um, and just rip <laughs> off their logo. No, I'm Spot yeah. Hub. Uh, so at uh, karaoke blue mel brooks is there doing karaoke and jeff is learning about larry's 10th anniversary deal and he's like jealous but also encouraging larry to like go through with it and, and just inquiring about you know does he have anybody in mind and larry's like yeah of course but i mean like 
Larry, as Larry says, this is the thing I am the worst at. And so what, you know, what am I going to do? Even if I do have somebody in mind, you got to get them to agree to it. Uh, and so Jeff encourages him to practice on a young hottie who is there at the uh, karaoke party. And Larry's pickup method is to just go on a tirade about bowling balls. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I've always remembered this. <laughs> this um, and maybe it's because it was it was it's the thing I'm the worst at, too. So I also commiserated with Larry going like, what are you talking what, about? It's like flirty small talk. Yeah, yeah. But I loved his opener, you know, where he's like, is you it, like karaoke? He's like, it's something yeah, to do. It, it, it's great. It's another thing to do at night. You got, yeah. what does he say, Mo- movies and bowling, bowling and karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a th- always, it's a third thing. I've always loved that. And I've always thought of karaoke as the third thing to do. It's the third thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus yeah, you know, Christ. A, but then he goes off on like, yeah, I don't bowl very much. And you, know, you can't find a ball. And the woman is saying nothing, just staring straight oh. ahead. God, her her facial expressions were the best part of this exchange. Yeah, Larry's Uh, not reading. (laughs) (laughs) He's making no effort to, like, actually pick her up. I think he's just like, look, I'm just going to go over and say what I would normally say. I know how this is going to end. Yeah. And that's where where I would respect Larry because he at least was being authentic. I would go up and go, all right, I got to say something cool. I got to be cool and I got to be not don't be yourself. Be anything but yourself. You know, you no one likes you. You got to be somebody be somebody else. Uh and that did that never worked <laughs> either. So you got to um, go up yeah. and say something cool. Hey, uh wh- what was what was your opinion whenever you heard Chris Pratt is going to voice Mario? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What did you think of the what did you think of what you heard in the trailer? <laughs> And then just go off on like, don't let her get a word in, even if she even if she has an opinion. <laughs> um, I think it's gonna suck. Uh, yeah, but so it 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 doesn't go over well, and Larry just kind of walks away uh, and and walks back to Jeff, and and it doesn't go very well as he explains to him. Oh, but I, his closing line was hilarious too when he goes, and I'm uh, I'm around town. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I'm around town. <laughs> That was him, like trying to say something that a cool guy would say. Like, yeah, I, I'm around town. Maybe I'll see you around town. Well, maybe we'll be around town together. So, you know, like I'm around town. <laughs> what is okay? I'll make sure to avoid town then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's at that point that Larry is dragged on stage uh, to sing a song, and he doesn't get to pick like I guess you would at any other karaoke place. But it's lucky that he does know the song that was picked for him. And you you won't be surprised, Ted, that the song is Swanee. From 1919, that's right, that's right, over 100 years old. Oh, no, not at this point, though, but now it is. Certainly now Now it is. is. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, almost 100 years old at this point, and made famous by Al Jolson, one of America's most beloved blackface minstrel character actors of the early 20th century. (laughs) Yes. So yeah. I, I think there's the, the one thing that we're learning so far in Curb, I, I think being, you know, episode one of season four is a good yeah. time to take stock of this, <laughs> is that every time a laughably old reference came up in Seinfeld, we were thinking like, man, what is up with Jerry's like references? What is up with like Jerry's sense of music and pop culture? That that was all Larry David then, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it just got past the layer. I think Jerry had enough 
cultural touchstone to go, oh, yeah, I kind of get that, too. And, and it's funny. We'll put let's put it in there. You know, people our age will get it or whatever. But it, Larry has to be a little bit older than Jerry, I think. Maybe he just seems like it. But yeah, I mean, uh, this is a new, this is a new low. Nineteen nineteen. <laughs> uh, not you two. Larry didn't sing some you two. I mean, he could have, <laughs> could have done some of that. So the next day, or or sometime in the future, the near future, Larry and Jeff are on their way to a mystery meeting with Mel Gibson. Normally, Jeff knows what the meeting's about. Has no idea. He just knows Mel Gibson wants to meet him. And I'm oh, not Mel Gibson. Jesus. Could you imagine speaking of Jesus? <laughs> oh my um, God, Mel Gibson, Mel Brooks. Have I said? Have I feel like I've already said Gibson? You didn't. No, oh, okay. I, I I would have reacted that exact same way. <laughs> that, that that was the first time. You're good. <laughs> good. Uh, it just felt like something that had already come out of my mouth. I was like, wait a second. Have I been saying Gibson the whole time? <laughs> And Ted's just let it fly. Thankfully, this is like the first time we see him in an extended scene. So you're you're, you're okay. So Larry and Jeff have this misery meeting with Mel Brooks. (laughs) (laughs) And on their way into the office parking lot, Larry almost hits a guy in a motorized wheelchair who was on his cell phone. And they have a little bit of a road rage style exchange. And this, this, this premise is going to be explored a little bit more. Like I got what Larry was going for. He was like, but I don't know if it's funny. Like, you know, I'm sure cell phones in 2002, they were still only like making calls at that point. I I don't think text messaging was, was a thing, but, but certainly people using them while they were driving was becoming a concern. And so I'm sure Larry was like, Oh, what about people in wheelchairs? That's funny. Should they be governed by the same hands-free laws that are being, being discussed? And that's where this premise comes, comes from. And I'm like, I get what you're doing, but I, I don't think it's expressed clearly enough. I don't know. I, I don't yeah. feel like that point was ever driven home. And also, like, is it funny enough to to explore? You know, maybe. maybe I'm not even speaking. I'm just speaking time, from a humor. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know. It didn't really connect. Looking back on it, from I don't know, 18 years in the future. I think it's just an old tech joke that didn't make the jump because cell phones have just grown in the way that we use them and that in O2 maybe it was funny because cell phones were just starting to you know be as pervasive as they would become and they were talked about and I think this joke was probably maybe funnier in O2 like you're saying and it just 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 lands flat now because it's like eh, I don't know I'm, I'm not even considering like the ableist problems with it which are on a you know I don't even feel like discussing i'm just talking about like the humor aspect of it like yeah <laughs> i mean I, I get what you're doing but i don't know it just it didn't land with me and i think that may be the reason it's it cell phones have just been around too long now it's like oh, yeah, i i get it haha uh but walking in larry finds a wallet with some money in it uh and he gives it to mel brooks's assistant rachel harris yeah i i wow. never knew her name but i recognize her from all of the all the VH1 panel shows. Yes, yeah, yeah. Everything she, uh, uh, the Hangover. She plays Ed Helms' wife and that, and uh, just a ton of other, just a very talented comedic actress. I wonder what she was doing in 2004. So we'll uh, we'll put her down for next week because I always like seeing her, and I've always considered her a little bit of a hottie too. I've I've always uh, had a thing for her. <laughs> um, <clears throat> The wallet, it turns out, belongs to Dennis, the guy in the wheelchair that Larry just had a little situation with. And Larry, again, goes in on 
you know, he explores the the premise a little bit more here, saying that he thinks, you know, cell phone use and the rules should apply to people driving wheelchairs as they do with people driving cars. And uh, Mel's assistant just isn't interested in talking to Larry. <laughs> but Larry's very interested in talking to her because he notices she's looking at baby names and she and her partner are adopting a baby. This is Larry's uh. joke is old school. Um, like I hate my wife humor, but I yeah. did, but I still found it kind of a funny play. And it seemed like something maybe left over from stand. Like a, it seems like a good, maybe stand up bit or something where he's like, you got a partner. That's great. I, I, I got a wife. It's more like a rival. It's like, I wish I had a partner. I don't ha- I have a rival. Um, and I, I thought that was kind of funny. I, I feel like there's a way to do that. That's not, I hate my wife humor. Yeah. Because that, dy- dy- that dynamic does exist in, in married life, even if you don't hate your wife, um, <laughs> which Larry does, I think. We're, but I, so I, I found that I've never thought of it that way that like, you know, these days and maybe it's because these days, you know, whether you're cisgender or what you call your wife, your partner, your best friend, whatever, like those those names have they're I mean, gone they, everywhere. They, they, they be- <laughs> yeah, they become widely, widely used, proliferated. Widely accepted. Yeah, 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 widely. Yeah, yeah, yeah there, yeah, there you, you go. go. Yeah. So she's adopting a baby, a boy from China, which I found interesting because normally I would think that, you know, with, with China's one child policy, it's normally the, the girls that are up for adoption in China because everyone wants a boy. But, hmm. um, yeah, I found that interesting. So Larry suggests Wang because it was the name of, I guess, an actor or something uh. that I guess I'll have to look up. Yeah. All right. I'll have to look up. So, who he Larry says there's, was there's nothing to. wrong with the first name Wang. Yeah. And just goes off on a, a tangent of things that rhyme with Wang before arriving at Tang. And <laughs> I, I, I love the receptionist line. She's just like, yeah, I'm sure that'll go over well with uh, people in, with all the boys in school or and, some, something to that effect. And then he goes, oh, that's the that'll be the least of his problems. What the <laughs> fuck did you mean by that? That Jesus he's Chinese Christ. or that his moms are lesbians or what do you mean by that, Larry? Tell us what you like. We know kids can be mean, so I'm sure he's right. Maybe he's just being realistic about the whole thing, but it's not what you want to hear. I guess you know this whole scene yeah. is not what you want to hear from anybody. <laughs> um, I, I don't think Larry had. I don't know. I don't think he had hate in his heart when when Larry the character said this, or when Larry the guy wrote it. But it's one step away from going. Oh, his name should be Ching Chong Ding Dong. Like Jesus it really, Christ. it really is. It's just a different <laughs> yeah. syllable. He just picked Ang instead of Ing. Like yeah. it really, it's really one step away from that. The that the the hack jokes about Chinese naming conventions. Like it, it, it was, it was maybe a little lazy, but he landed on something. Like the Tang is, I don't know. It's 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 problematic. I I can't explain in what it's way. It's not great. Yeah, <laughs> it's not great. Yeah, it's fun. Like it's funny in the way that seven, like George's baby names were funny. And just because this is racially charged, I'm like, it's funny that he suggests that there's nothing wrong with naming a kid after Juice. Um, <laughs> it it reminded what did um, what was oh soda? Yeah, <laughs> remember George suggested the name Soda for yeah. a baby to like friends, and then Seven, and then they steal Seven. So it's something that interests Larry. We know. But yeah, just just the racial element does just make you cringe a little bit, I guess. And maybe that's the point of it, you know. It, Curb is not known for the kind of cringe humor that we're, we're used to, but this might this might just be it. You know, the conversation with the woman earlier was cringe, and this is this is cringe too. Where even Jeff like puts his hand on Larry to go stop talking. Stop. Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, stop. Yeah, 
<laughs> Which you got to wonder, was that Jeff Jeff Garland or Jeff Green that said this bit is over? <laughs> uh, so Larry gets up and goes to the bathroom where he is knocked in the head by Mel Brooks exiting the bathroom. So he's bleeding and they go to the medical building, which is at 575 East Hardy Street in Inglewood. It is now called the, I don't know what it was at the time because it just said medical building, but now it's the Centinella Medical Building on East Hardy Street there. And Larry doesn't want to sign in because he hates putting his name on on stuff. Um, <laughs> but he does, and he's back in the examination room, and there's a montage of him waiting. And it's at that point he picks up a phone in the uh, examination room and calls Jeff, who was in the lobby on his cell phone. Uh, and, and the doctor walks in as he's on the phone. And the doctor is Philip Baker Hall. Yeah, that was cool. Detective Bookman mm-hmm. from a great episode of Seinfeld. And they have an extended back and forth about the rule about not using oh, the phone. I, I, I liked this at first, and then I got burned out on it so quick. And then they came back to it, and I was still burned out on it. Same. Very much. I felt very much the same way. I, I was I'm, like, I'm this... just wondering if like Philip Baker Hall is not great at improv. <laughs> yeah. And there was no exit. Like the editor's like, I can't leave this scene. There's no clean exit. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering if that that was that was the case because they just kind of went in circles. You know, that there's yes. no new info. No, no new info. No new jokes. I mean, like you said, I appreciated the it at first, but you can only go around so many times before it's just exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I liked, I liked the first things they were saying, but then as they kept saying it, it's like, Oh boy. Uh, so, so, so what, what, just so we can recap, what were the things that we're saying? Uh, Dr. Dr. Morrison comes in, sees Larry's on the phone. You know, you're not supposed to use the phone. Oh, well, why? Because we don't want you to. Well, what's the reason? Because you're not supposed to use the phone. Well, what, what's the reason? Because we don't want you to. Well, why? Uh, and, and I think it just goes back and forth from there. Yeah. He's like, what's the reason for the rule? He's like, well, rules have, you know, the, the background on how we arrived at that rule is so extensive, it, I can't even get into it right now. And so that's why we just settled on don't use the phone. Larry is like, Larry's like one of my kids, like my five-year-old. is like, but why? But why that? Why can't we do this? Well, what if we do this? Why can't we do that? Like, no. I'm just saying no. That's the end of the discussion. Like, yeah, it's uh, it's maddening. Um, and Larry, like, and, and when the doctor sits down, like 90% of this scene is them talking about the rule. And the doctor, because when the doctor sits down to examine Larry on the chair, Larry brings up the phone rule again. And the doctor says, we might have to do some stitches and it doesn't cause much pain. There's just, you know, just a prick. And Larry goes, oh, yeah, there's a prick involved. And the doctor goes, oh, I'd, I'd say there's definitely a prick involved. And Larry, uh, you know, says, oh, yeah, I think I definitely think there's a prick involved. And it <laughs> is at that point when the doctor is hovering over Larry examining the cut, he drools on Larry. Which is gross. It is. Gross, it is. That grossed me out. <laughs> but it also only hits him in the forehead, I think. It yeah, doesn't, yeah. like, go in his mouth, which w- I think would have been a uh, uh, hundred times worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back at Mel's office, which, thanks to them panning to a new establishing shot of the office, I got a great shot of the 100 block of Ladue Street, or Ooh. Ladue Road, sorry. So I was able to tell that this is 8350 Wilshire Boulevard, which, by the way is directly across the street from a Cedar sinai office. Hmm. 
Now, it, so Larry did not have to go 30 minutes on the 405 to this <laughs> medical center in Inglewood like he did. He might have been able to go. Now, it is the Cedars-Sinai Heart Center, so they're kind of focused on pulmonary. But somebody there might have been able to, you know, you got to imagine they might have some stitches or something. But maybe they just wanted to, you know, I think it's Jeff's doctor or something that they, they wanted to go to. But these these things are, and this was, by the way, I was looking it up at like 10 o'clock here. So it was Saturday evening in LA. Yeah. This is definitely the middle of a work day for, for Larry and Jeff. So maybe that, that trip to Inglewood <laughs> took an hour from Beverly Hills. I don't know. Oh yeah. God. All, all the while Larry has a, a white towel on yeah. his, on his head, just <laughs> keeping bleeding. all of his blood in. Yeah. We find out, we do find out that it is three months. We, so now we have a timestamp. It is three months to Cheryl and Larry's 10th anniversary so that's how long he has to make good on cheryl's offer uh, out of the elevator that they're waiting for comes dennis the it guy in a wheelchair and joanne mel brooks's assistant said she found the wallet and uh, did we did we touch on the wallet earlier i don't i think we may have just accidentally skipped all over the wallet subplot i mean i did mention that he finds it and gives it to Rachel oh, okay Harris, okay gotcha but, gotcha and she said okay. it belonged to to dennis yeah but larry is the one that found it and so he's surprised that she took credit for it because joanne said she found it and he gave her a hundred bucks uh, up in the office larry does confront her about that but it's as joanne's partner has walked in behind larry <laughs> and she accosts larry and shoves him up against a wall uh <laughs> And yells at him for suggesting they name their kid after a breakfast drink. Yeah, uh, and like while uh, she's got like her forearm in his in his throat, like <laughs> yeah. by like uh, the the collar of a shirt, says Larry needs a good fucking ass kicking, <laughs> and she makes Larry see like she makes Larry see God. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Larry backs down immediately, as anybody would in that situation. Jeez, I wouldn't mess <laughs> with this lady. Um. So finally, they're at the meeting in Mel's office, and the meeting is about the fact that Mel was so impressed with Larry at karaoke, he offers him the role of Max Bialystok, one of the leads in The Producers on Broadway. And Ben Stiller is going to be the other lead because they have a couple of leads leaving, and he thinks Larry can do this role. And Larry is... You know, Larry thinks it's it's kind of a tall order. Uh, Jeff, of course, wants him to do it. Uh, and, and Mel is just all in on the fact that he's like, I'm never wrong. When this thing goes off, I'm never wrong. And it went off when I saw you sing Swanee the other night. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? Just go see the show tonight. See the show tonight. See what you think. You know, and then hopefully you'll do it. And Jeff's like, I'm going to hopefully convince him to do it. After Larry and Jeff leave, though, the other producers i guess the producers of uh, the producers uh, <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't know, yeah i didn't know if they were the the producers or just like mel's partners yeah business part the business partners in some way that's probably the best way to say it because maybe yeah. they're just investors or something but yeah uh the business the other business partners there's two of them they hate it and the guy points out i i had no idea this is an interesting crossover he points out all the people who have played this role zero mostel in the movie nathan lane originated the role on broadway and then he mentions Jason Alexander. It's a role yeah. Jason Alexander played. That's cool. Because <laughs> I know. How much do you know about the producers? Not much at all. Yeah. I, maybe we should put it. Maybe we should make it part of our Patreon um, after spooky season. Because I think it would behoove us. It would give you some some context. And, and honestly, the original movie with Gene Wilder and Zero Mostel is. I saw it in like fourth or fifth grade. And it's 
hilarious. It's like a classic kind of screwball 70s comedy and it's got some very it's so the 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 basic plot is these two producers realize they can make more with a Broadway show or the with a stage show that's a flop than with one that is a success. And so they set out to do that and it's hilarious. Um and yeah, and Zero Mostel played it there. And then Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick were the big stars that I knew were in the Broadway musical. So we could probably find a recording of that. And I would say watch both. But if that's, you know, if that's not appetizing to people, um, I think it would, this, this season's going to be all about it. So I think it would be something cool for our, maybe even the main feed. Um, but definitely something maybe for Patreon if we have time uh, throughout this season. But the dudes are like, Larry David is is not this is not going to work, but Mel has faith. Uh, over at the Pantages Theater, I don't know how it's actually pronounced. It seems that's a weird word to Pantages. Uh, <laughs> I don't know Pantages. That sounds wrong too. Which I think we've been to before, but it is. But the, all of this sounded new and like new information when I was looking it up. But it is still at sixty two thirty three Hollywood Boulevard, right at Hollywood and Vine, baby. This is showbiz right here, and it's been there since 1930, and it's got some interesting, uh, you know, uh, historical markers as far as the entertainment landscape goes. The five highest-grossing weeks in LA theater history have all taken place here. I don't know what those five weeks are, or even what number one is, but the highest-grossing weeks in LA theater history were all shows at this theater. The Talking Heads 1984 concert film "Stop Making Sense" was filmed here. And Shakira's first U.S. show was at this theater. How about oh that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, and Larry uh, takes a painkiller. <laughs> I, I remember this scene, too, when it started happening. Larry doesn't have any water, but he wants to take a painkiller because his head is killing him. And he doesn't have any water. And so he like he convulses in a way that finally... And Cheryl can't even look at him. I lo- This was another great okay from her. She goes, oh okay like stop making those like it looks like you're dry heaving in the middle of this theater crowd it was so funny uh i love that (laughs) and they run into ben stiller and his wife christine taylor Uh, as we know ben is is taking over the uh matthew broderick role of bloom i forget bloom's name but and and his wife uh is there which i mean it just brings us one step closer to dodgeball you know, I mean, yeah. we already oh had God. we already had uh, Chris. Yeah. What's his name? But it's it's inevitable at this point. <laughs> I mean, we, we we gotta we gotta. Yeah, you know, I think the the only piece of the puzzle we're missing is Vince Vaughn. And yeah. <laughs> he does show up in in Curb. I don't remember when, but oh fuck, yeah. dude. <laughs> I know, okay. I, know. I, don't, um, I don't know if we can wait that long. I don't know when it is, but like, oh, I think we, we season got we gotta four, at some point. I think we should have a season four Patreon spectacular where we watch at least one of the producers and dodgeball. Because <laughs> we've got, you know, yeah. Oh, uh, let me check. Uh, are you familiar with Broadway HD? Yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah, it's it's a streaming platform of recorded, uh, like high def, like highly produced Broadway yeah. plays. Yeah, I think I remember seeing. I think like that that got a lot of pub when the lockdowns first started happening because people were looking mm. for stuff to watch and do and especially so me, support 
Let me check and see uh, what, if any, versions of the producers are on Broadway HD. Because I know someone with a Broadway HD login. Uh-huh. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did record a version of that with Nathan Lane and Matthew. I think they... Wait, they did! Will Ferrell's in it. Oh, my... They did a theatrical version already. Oh, They straight up God. did... Yeah, Will Ferrell plays the, the other main male lead. There's nothing on Broadway HD, which is... Oh, man, weird. This this had a theatrical release. I'm remembering. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I would rather watch the original, but I'm also cool with just watching the the, the Broadway one. Makes more sense for season four because I don't even know if any. I mean, does just the movie being mentioned? Like, I don't even know if there's any <laughs> actors from the original in in, the, in uh, the original, or because I'm looking at the 2005 version. Should I look at the 1967 version? Wow, 60s. I said 70s earlier. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ni- See if there's anybody. 67. From- so okay. Yeah, Gene Wilder, Zero Mostel. Um, ooh, boy. Uh, we are getting into the the nitty-gritty. Estelle Winwood. The name sounds familiar. Maybe not. Um, Frank Campanella. That sounds familiar. We, ju- we might just have to do the collaboration search. Hang on. But, I, I mean, I looking the- at the 2005 version, obviously. Matthew Broderick, yeah. Nathan Lane, Will Ferrell. Good cast. Richard Kind. Oh, nice! <laughs> well, there we go, right there. I mean, that's... <laughs> uh, John Barrowman, John Lovitz. Oh, John Lovitz was on Seinfeld, so that's that's definitely a connection. Well, so we know the O4 musical. Maybe that Ooh, makes more and, sense. And and Dane Cook. No way! Oh man, <laughs> that's crazy. This, this was at like the height of his popularity. How yeah. is he so far down on on the Google cast results? He must have a small role there's like an audition sequence i wonder if he's in that as ben and so ben is like subtly incredulous about larry taking the role and and you can kind of tell he doesn't want to work with him yeah it seems like (laughs) because i mean one question that's not so subtle he has like do you act (laughs) do you act do you even act (laughs) bro do you even act and Larry's like, no, that's what's so weird about it. But Mel thinks I can do this, and yeah, and even asks like, D- do you sing? Yeah, yeah, do you sing? Yeah. It's a very, very singing intensive role. And he's really like begging him to think about. It. He's like, yeah, really think about it. Really think about doing this. You know, I don't know if you really want to do this. And and that almost like the fact that Ben thinks he can't do it almost gives Larry another push too to go. Well, you, fuck this guy thinks I can't do it. Now, I'm, even if I thought I couldn't do it, now I'm going to do it, you know, which I think fuels me a little bit as well. Like, what, you think I can't do this thing? All right, well, that's all I want to do now. Um, and so as they uh, part ways to go into the show, Ben very unsubtly sneezes into his hand and Larry won't shake it as they're leaving. And Cheryl calls him out for it. But I think Larry's right in this case. Yeah. That was yeah. My God. Especially in a uh, currently ongoing pandemic yeah. world. Oh, yeah. my God. I still have trouble shaking hands. Like, I make the other person put it out <laughs> if they want to. Like, I hope that's not rude. It's like, wow, he didn't even offer his hand or whatever. But I'm not going to be the first. But if you're cool with it, I'll do it. As long as you didn't sneeze directly into it right before yeah um, yeah but cheryl's like ben definitely noticed that he was left hanging and, and larry's like he didn't even notice but cheryl's like that was what is wrong with you i think that's another time she said that's almost like cheryl's catchphrase like what is wrong with you inside cheryl during the show like shut up i was very angry that cheryl and larry decided to have a full conversation while the show was going on <laughs> But she decides this is where she wants to lay out the anniversary rules. Yeah. During, during it, the show, during the play. 
and we didn't get any new information. No, she's like, we knew all this stuff. Yes. She's like, okay, deadline is our anniversary. You told me that, and yep. it's only one time. Okay, yeah, you told me that. Yep, knew that. Yeah, I, I knew that. Knew both of those things. Thanks for interrupting this uh, yeah. This thing. Yeah, uh, but and- it's it's during the play that uh, Larry finally decides that he wants to, who, to do the show because the female lead of the producers has boobs. Yes, she is shaking it in her role. And that's pretty much, yeah, what deci- what uh, solidifies Larry's decision to do the show. Maybe I'll do it. Eh, maybe I'll do it. We don't, uh, we don't even know. I mean, both both male leads are leaving. We don't even know if she's staying on in the role. Yeah, exactly. maybe, maybe all the contracts are ending at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But, re- I mean, regardless, it is, a, it is a sexy role. So maybe he was like, whoever's in there is going to be doing that. And you know they're going to hire someone with boobs. So... <laughs> <laughs> And you know they're going to hire someone with boobs. <laughs> I would love a gender-swapped producer's musical remake. Oh, I'll my watch God. Anything. Uh, it, you know, it, it's hard, you're hard-pressed to find anything gender-swapped I'm not interested in seeing. I, I, just, no. uh, just, uh, just two female producers and just yeah. a hunky dude just donging out like yeah. in a G-string. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so... But Larry falls asleep. The painkiller finally knocks him out, and he's on the balcony and ends up drooling on Dr. Philip Baker Hall, as <laughs> who's sitting right underneath him in the perfect position as Frolic starts to play. And we see in the first title card, this episode directed by Larry Charles, which I think uh, you know goes to show you why we had such an entertaining flashback uh, yeah. in the episode, because yeah. he did that before. Um, so yeah, that is it. That's the end of the episode. All right, what do we got for homework this week? Who was Larry referencing when he suggested the name Wang? There was someone that he was like, that's that's <laughs> someone's name, and so it's a great name, and, and then he okay. went off on that. So, yeah, but that's pretty much it. Uh, what do you like for cover art this week? Ooh. Oh, and oh wait, Rachel Harris for homework, too. What was she up to at this oh, point? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what for cover art? Um, I mean, Ben and, uh, like, the four of them outside the theater is pretty cool, although it I don't know. Might give a little bit away. Maybe something with Larry and and Mel and in Mel's office. That because it's Mel's offer. That's not bad. Uh, Larry doing karaoke. Maybe. Um, what do you think? Anything? anything um, else? I like all those actually. Yeah. I, I do like the four of them because I mean it doesn't necessarily like Larry and Cheryl and Ben Stiller and Christine Taylor in front of a theater it doesn't necessarily give anything away. Right. Right. They they yeah. could have just saw them at the theater. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay, let's see what we can do about this week's description. So we had, in the season four premiere, Larry reminds Cheryl of a 10th anniversary present she promised him when they got engaged. And present is in quotes. Oh. Huh. I mean, I I, I, it. I don't know if I, I, if I uh, pointed that out at the beginning of the show, but uh, that makes it pretty good, I think. Yeah. The, on- the only thing I really don't like... And judging by how often it's happened, I feel like we're going to have this for every season premiere and every season finale in the season four premiere. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I haven't watched a new episode of this show in 13 months. I know it's the season four premiere. And we know what episode one means in TV Guide or wherever we're looking on the, on the cable guide. <laughs> um, we know that means it's the first episode of a new season, episode one. Um, so I would love to, and I think we can include them. Because we can say something like, Larry Larry Mulls offers from his wife and Mel Brooks. You can even throw something in there like life-changing. Larry Mulls 
life-changing or, or some, some similar word like that, maybe with lower stakes. Larry Mull's life-changing offers from his wife and Mel Brooks. I, I would put the emphasis from his wife and Mel Brooks. Because otherwise it sounds like it's both of them together. <laughs> His wife and Mel Brooks make Larry two offers. Well, no, two set like so. Larry Mull's life-changing offers from his wife and Mel Brooks. Okay, okay, I I, I like that. I wish I could find a better word for life-changing. I can't. Uh, life-altering. Life-altering. Um, like interesting is what I want to say, but that's hor- that's horrible. It's not descriptive yeah. enough. <laughs> interesting is not interesting enough. Yeah. Exciting! Oh, in- exciting! Intriguing! Appealing! Imp- appealing's not bad. Larry Mull offers from both Cheryl offers. and Mel-, Mel Brooks. Yeah, I feel like you have to say like offers from both. Yeah, Cheryl and Mel Brooks, because then it sounds like it, like like you said, it's an offer coming from the yeah. singular party of yeah. Cheryl and Mel Brooks. I'm fine with that. Intriguing. Uh, I think appealing is, yeah, I like appealing because, yeah, I like that. So, Larry, in the season four premiere, Ugh. Larry <laughs> Larry Mull's appealing offers from both his wife and Mel Brooks. Oh, yeah, there we perfect. go. Perfect. Oh, my gosh. All right. Love it. Tim, did you like this episode? Man, this is a tough one because I got some serious laughs. And that's like, if I'm getting serious laughs, that's almost worthy of a star and the season premieres have been star worthy uh, like maybe throughout the run of the series i feel like we've always had good opening episodes well the car salesman didn't get a star i'm just kind of looking through right pants now to ted see. didn't get a star for me pants ted didn't get a star okay so maybe just season th- season three got a star all right so that's <laughs> so so far that's one out of that's one third it's <laughs> one out um, of four i guess i was wrong but, um, man, I don't know. I'm, like, torn on this one. I don't even want to give it a star low. I either want to go one way or another. And maybe that just yeah. means that maybe that just means it was an average episode, you know, because mm, it. Okay. Man, it's tough. What do you think? Maybe you can, I, maybe your opinion will sway me one way or another. I'm, I'm giving it a star low, I think, uh-huh. because, because I, I had a fun time watching it. I, I thought there were. I mean, laughable, outdated tech issues aside, with yeah. uh, with the cell phone and and Dennis, I thought those. Uh, I mean, that and uh, the whole uh, Wang yeah. name thing. <laughs> I thought those were really the only things that stood out to me. I'm like, oh, okay, this is making me not enjoy. Well, oh man, maybe I don't give it a star low because those two things and the whole phone debacle with yes. Doctor Morrison. Ugh, that's almost star killing. Right there. <sighs> like, that's what made me go, like, I was almost writing the first star, like, and then I was, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, hang on. That might have ruined the entire episode. <laughs> yeah. Now that I think about it, do I even give it a star low? This is a tough one. I, I yeah. I, I think, unfortunately, my opinion <laughs> just swayed your opinion. not Because I was like, okay, if Ted's giving it a star low, I'm going to give it a full star. But now that you're wavering, I'm like, great. Neither one, so maybe well, it deserves if, nothing. If if I was getting if uh, if my take giving it a star low was going to make you give it a full star, yes. then I think me giving it nothing would mean you give it a star low. I, I think you're right. On paper, is that where we're at? Well, you're right on paper, but if you gave it nothing, I'd give it nothing. But if you gave okay. it a, if you gave it a star low, I'd give it a full star. Well then. <laughs> 
It all Man. hinges on Larry David quivering right now. Uh, I'll tell Ted. you what. Are, are, are we going to see more Mel Brooks this season? I want to say yes. Yeah, I mean, this whole okay. season is, I, I mean, spoiler alert, maybe it's even in the episode description coming up. Larry takes the gig. Okay, I mean, I, I figured he did, yeah. and I figured, I mean, that's sort of where this that whole way. season arc was going to be, you know, because, I mean, yeah. we're never going to hear from, from Bobo again. We're not, never going to see Larry yeah. at Bobo again, I doubt. <laughs> exactly, uh, even though it went very well, and yeah. the restaurant's thriving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, you, you, they're investors. They hire a management team, and they just reap the benefits, right? I guess you're right. Passive income. Yeah. If we're going to see more Mel Brooks this season, then I'm going to give this episode nothing, because I love Mel Brooks, and if there is a, if this was the only episode we see him in, I would have given it a star low. Okay, you know what I'm going to do with your nothing then? I'm going to split the difference, and I forgot I had star low low. <laughs> oh my god! So that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> All right, I feel like that's a good middle ground because if I say I, 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 I get in a star low low, man, we loved this episode. <laughs> Christ. I got some big laughs, like right off the bat in this episode, like it, you know. So, <laughs> but then it, the middle just just kind of killed it. Um, but I, but say I got to the end and I like and I need this episode. I'm gonna forget how good the first episode was, and not saying it was great, but like I'm gonna forget how good I thought it was, the level of good I thought it was, and so I need. To, that's why I need Star Lolo. <laughs> I hope I don't need it by the time we get to the end. But people were very excited that Larry David was going back to New York. That was like a big deal for this season because, of course, Seinfeld famously said in New York, Curb, very much a product of L.A., but people were like Larry David going back to where it all started um, in New York. So Larry's adventures in New York, I think, uh, are going to be entertaining. Uh, okay, so next week we have got season four, episode two, Ben's Birthday Bash. Or, excuse me, Ben's Birthday Party, original air date. <laughs> I like yours better. <laughs> yeah, I do too, actually. <laughs> Uh, original area January 11th, 2004. And if you were looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry reconnects with Michael, his blind tormentor, with bad results. <laughs> now I can laugh at that. I used to get angry when they did that. But now I can laugh because I know how easy it makes our job when we can get rid of something <laughs> like that. With Now they're just saying bad results. With bad results. Like nothing's that's as lazy as interesting with interesting results. Like <laughs> that's horrible. But a, a returning character from very early on in, uh, of course, we remember Michael, the, yeah. the guy that Larry and Richard helped move. So is that season one? I think so. Yeah. Oh my god! All yeah, righty. I know. Um, all right. Is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right. For no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallowell. Be good. Be good.